Welcome to Digital Stratosphere, the podcast that helps organizations throughout the world with their digital transformation journeys. Here, you will find independent and technology agnostic advice with no software vendor sales spin to help you make the best decisions for your organization. Whether you are in the process of selecting technology, in the midst of your transformation, or trying to get your initiative back on track, Digital Stratosphere provides expertise and best practices to help. Well, we have our audience question segment, um, which these are not just questions for Eric, they're for our audience joining us today. So I encourage you to pop your answer and join the conversation in the comments. If you would like your question or comment featured, on ground control, um, please feel free to comment on either the third stage consulting group um, social media or Air Kimberling social media. We actually pull the questions from a variety of those. So if you'd like the question um, to make sure it gets in the the next episode, go ahead and tag me or Eric, and we'll um, we'll pull those in. But some great questions from our audience today, as always. Um, so our first question actually comes from one of your topics on YouTube, which is around change management and how to more effectively manage change. And this question is about change measurement. So how do you manage the change effectively in terms of measuring the high, the hard components of the organization? So hard components typically would mean strategy, solution, and then actually um, hard metrics behind how do you measure change? Um, so I thought that was a really good question. We also have some videos on this on our YouTube channel and some previous episodes if you really want to kind of dive into the metrics around change. But I thought I'd bring it up here, Eric, for you to kind of give us a, a high level answer to that question. Yeah, so change management is oftentimes thought of something that's very subjective and um hard to quantify, right? It's it's sort of a, a feeling within an organization, a feeling of our people adopting the software. Um, are people happy with the user experience, all that kind of stuff. Um, I'm, but I'm not a believer in just sort of going with subjective information that's open to interpretation or open to too much interpretation. So we do try to quantify as much as we can within an assessment of an organization's readiness and, and just the overall change management journey. And so what we typically do is we will quantify through surveys, which which are online anonymous surveys, where we actually do measure people's responses to different questions. So you're, you're taking something that is somewhat subjective and you're, you're turning it into a bit of a science. So at the very least, you don't get caught up too, you don't need to necessarily get too caught up in the exact number and whether or not we have a precise number to measure a precise aspect of change management. But what it does do is it allows us to look at trends, it allows us to look at benchmarks to compare to other companies. And it also allows us to look at how your own team benchmarks to each other. So you might have different parts of your organization that represent sort of pockets to resistance or pockets of resistance within an organization. And by measuring through surveys, some of those outputs or, or some of those um, results, that's going to allow you to do that benchmarking and really get a better sense of where the pockets of resistance are going to be and where your change efforts should really focus. So it's a way to really take that subjective um, topic of change management and turn it into something a little bit more scientific and a little bit more metrics based, but it's, it's a great question. Absolutely. Um, definitely a really good question and a really good just overall strategic approach to be mindful of yeah. when you're integrating change management, that there are actually metrics to measure from. So great question. Thank you so much. Excited to hear from our audience, too, about the measurement um, of change. Uh, so let's move on to another question that actually comes from the overall 
um, times old argument of uh, waterfall versus agile. So this user asks, is there a hybrid approach that that helps in overcoming risks associated with agile, but not full traditional waterfall? Um, so I thought that was a really good question to ask you and our audience today to say, it, can you have the best of both worlds? Yeah, in fact, that's what we're seeing most organizations do now is they're they're taking more of a hybrid approach. And I think it's a smart way to try and get the best of both worlds, to use your words and to um, hit that point, which is that you can still do, you know, the benefit or the things that are valuable within Waterfall. So Waterfall, for those that don't know, Waterfall is an approach where you have more of a sequential milestone-based approach to digital transformation. So you go through your requirements gathering, for example, you define your end-to-end -end business processes and requirements, and then you have a milestone or a sign-off, and then you move into the design and build phase of the technology. Agile is a little bit different in that Agile would say, well, let's just start building stuff. Let's get it out to the user community as fast as possible. And then we'll take their response or their reactions to it and their feedback to it. And then we'll we'll pivot, we'll rebuild the software, tweak it however we need to. So that's the Agile approach. And so there's this whole debate going on in the industry of should we do Agile as a way to mitigate the risk of taking too long to go through a digital transformation? And it's a valid concern. It's a valid theory. But the problem is if you let the pendulum swing too far the direction of Agile, you miss out on some of the benefits of, of Waterfall. And if you stick with Waterfall too much, you're going to miss out on the benefits of Agile. So what a lot of organizations end up doing is they will do Waterfall up front. So they'll define their end-to-end -end processes and sort of have that big picture blueprint of how processes are going to flow, what the requirements are, what the overall tech stack and the tech deployment is going to look like longer term. But then when they get into deploying the software, they go into more of an agile mode where they, they start to implement quickly and they start to get the feedback and they start to pivot and adjust and all that good stuff. So there are ways to do both. Um, I think you just have to be clear on what it is you're doing. And if you see a vendor that's too far to one side or too far to one extreme, you may want to ask them to, to kind of bring it back to wherever you want to be. And, and by the way, even if you're in the middle, even if you take a hybrid approach, you still have to kind of figure out where on a, spectr a spectrum or a continuum you might fall as an organization, depending on what it is you're trying to accomplish. If you want more flexibility and speed, you probably are going to lean a little bit more towards agile. If you're looking to standardize and get more efficiencies and economies of scale and just to scale your overall company, you're trying to act like one company, then taking a more of a waterfall mindset or erring on the side of more waterfall is going to be the right recipe for you as an organization. So you also have to do some soul searching on what it is you want and then figure out which which approach or which end of the spectrum you might fall. And Eric, as a follow-up question to that, a hybrid strategy sounds like there's a lot of gray area. So is there a certain framework or how do you create alignment around the actual hybrid that you're going to use as far as an implementation strategy? Great question. I mean, really what you want to do is is back up and forget about Agile and Waterfall for a minute. And before you make that decision, back up and understand, you know, what is it we're trying to be here? You know, what is it we're trying to accomplish with this digital transformation, first of all, and, and are we aligned on that second of all. So I'll give you an example. A lot of times we have clients or we've had clients in the past where the CEO of the company will say, we are doing this project to become one company. We we're a big company. We've grown through acquisitions. We have all these disparate operations. Now we want to start to act like one company. And that sounds great. You know, that's a, that's a fair mission and a fair vision for where you want to go strategically. But then what ends up happening is then the CIO comes in and says, okay, I'm going to lead a digital transformation. I'm going to go out and find some software vendors and some implementers, all that stuff. 
um, implementers and software vendors come back with this agile framework that's supposed to speed things up and minim minimize risk and get more immediate value and all this great stuff that sounds good on paper. But what you've done now is you, right there, you've got misalignment. You've got a conflict because the CEO is saying that he or she wants this standardized model going forward. CIO is going down the path of this agile, let's create stuff quickly. Let's not worry about end-to-end -end processes and let's just be flexible. And that's sort of, that's running counter. So that's why you have to get the executives in a room, first of all, and define not only what does that mean when the CEO says they want that standard operating model across the board, what does that mean? Does that mean really every part of your business is going to be that way? Or maybe there's a certain parts of your business that are standardized, certain parts are going to stay flexible or disparate or whatever you want to call it. And you've got to align on that and sort of flush that out as a team, as an executive team first, get alignment on that. Then you start to go to the market and say, okay, we're going to go through digital transformation. Let's look at proposals that best support that strategy that we're going for, rather than creating misalignment by getting random proposals that don't match what your strategy is. Absolutely. Definitely something that engaging an outside advisor that is experienced um, is a great opportunity to kind of create your own hybrid because it's a great option, but it makes sure that you are able to define and align on the option, right? Yeah, um, yeah absolutely. So our last question today, speaking of um, that, those vendors, uh, this is on the cartel, the vendor cartel. Um, that you did your video on. If you haven't watched it, it's a great video. Highly recommend it. Um, just go to Eric's YouTube channel and search cartel. Um, but this is a great question. We've actually seen this in some of our client work. You actually brought in a client that this happened to to one of our executive workshops. Um, and we were able to talk to them. And it was one of the most memorable times um, that I really remember kind of this situation. But uh, this user asks, what should you do when the cartel, quote unquote, environment takes away a company's ability to manage their own IT strategies and road mapping. And even worse, some companies are so invested monetarily and emotionally that they have complete blinders on. How do you ensure that you still own your project without um, completely losing it to the vendor's sneaky sales method or support methods? Um, so very big question, but a good one. That is a really big question and a really, and a really good one too. Uh, it's very difficult to answer. It's such a good question, but uh, in some ways it's difficult. In some ways it's not difficult to answer, but the, I'd say that the thing that this person is onto is the dynamic. There's a really important dynamic that this person is alluding to that happens organizationally. It's sort of like an organizational behavior and an organizational psychology thing that happens in a lot of companies, which is executive team knows there's a problem or an opportunity to improve their business. So they go to, you know, a big name consulting firm like Accenture, Deloitte, or whoever, you know, in, insert big consulting vendor or big consultant name here. doesn't matter who, who, but you know, one of those big consulting firms and they think, okay, they, this outside consultant is going to bring in these outside perspectives. They're going to allow us to think differently and, and go a different path and, you know, take our business to new heights. That's the intent. Uh, big consulting firm comes in with their own agenda, which is, you know, how do we sell a certain type of software? How do we sell a digital transformation to this client? Because that could be a long-term client and a, a long-term moneymaker for us. So it, it sort of comes in with this outside, a what's perceived as an outside perspective, but there's really an internal self-interest that's coming into conflict with the, the strategy of the organization that hired the consulting firm. 
So it's it's sort of like a, I don't want to say it's misleading, but it but it is it's misleading maybe unintentionally, but it's misleading a client into thinking that you know there's certain things that we have to do if we want to survive. We have to go through a digital transformation. We have to do it now. All our peers are doing it, and so it creates a sort of pressure and this this urgency that may or may not be real. And then what ends up happening is then you know executive team gets sold on that idea that vision. And then they go down that path, but they sort of outsource the strategy, they outsource the execution and the day-to-day to -to this third party. And they, they sort of lose control of their company in a lot of ways. And it turns into a big money pit and gets off track. That's how, that's sort of the stereotypical generalized dynamic of how a lot of big ERP projects and digital transformations fail and get off track is because of that dynamic. It's, it's, you sort of, you've lost control. You forgot to look at yourself. And say, okay, yeah, we we do want to look outside the company and understand what's going on trend wise and all that stuff. But we also have to look at who we are, what's our strategy, what are we trying to accomplish, and what's going to best align with that. And start there versus what's everyone else doing, or what is a, you know, what is a big you know SAP system integrator think we should do? I'll tell you right now and save you a lot of money. Go to an SAP integrator. I'll tell you what they're going to tell you. They're going to tell you to implement SAP. So there, I, hopefully, I just saved you a million dollars by telling you right now what they're going to tell you. So free advice here on transformation ground control. Um, no, but that's the, the sort of dynamic you have to be aware of. Million dollars. Yes, I just saved you all a million dollars each, <laughs> sort of. Oh, well, I mean, that's such that's such good advice. And and actually, you know, the case study you brought to us as an executive team was the, the really polar end of that is that the software vendor and company, I think it was SI actually, owned the integration. So that was their own intellectual property. Um, so, you know, all of those conversations of not only understanding that, but that's so outside, like you would never think that would happen, but it is something that they utilize to be able to be in a monetary relationship with clients. So definitely so important to do your due diligence before entering in those relationships and have that level that we call it here at third stage of professional skepticism, understanding that these are important partners that are here to help you, but the ownership still lies with the company. So yeah, absolutely, definitely a great question. And thank you. Thank you for all of those excellent questions. Just a reminder, if you want to ask a question on transformation ground control, you can go ahead and tag Eric myself on any platform um, or just comment on the social media platforms for Third Stage Consulting Group and also um, Eric Kimberling. Um, We're always excited to engage with our audience and we'll pull some great answers out of the content. Learn more about us and download independent reports, videos, and other best practices at thirdstage-consulting.com.